What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Draft Capital NFL. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy. And with me, I got my co-host, Stuart Brookin. And we have a very special guest. Running a little late, but it's all good. What else would we expect from him? We're going to be bringing in Walker Bailey. But we'll be back with you to get into everything Draft Capital, everything Senior Bowl. And we're going to go over Stu's top five wide receiver rankings right after this. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Draft Capital NFL, brought to you by Off the Ball Network. Like I said, as always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy, and I got my guy with me, my co-host, Stuart Brookins. Stuart, how you doing today, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, we usually do it on Thursdays. I was feeling a little under the weather the past couple days. Stuart's been a little busy, so we decided to do it today, give you our Senior Bowl reactions. Obviously, the Senior Bowl the week of practice is over with. The game was played yesterday, so we're going to talk about that. But without further ado, Stu, we all know Stu goes hard on his rankings, his position rankings. We talked quarterbacks already with Alec Elijah. We got a lot more coming. But today, another position that I love dearly. Everybody knows from even cover, uh, following Off the Ball Network from last year. I love wide receivers. I love corners. Those are my bread and butter when we talk about them. So we're going to present to you Stu's Top five wide receivers. So on the list, for those of you watching live, we appreciate it. You can see on the screen, if you're listening, I'm going to read off his top five. So at one, we have Drake London, two, Chris Olave, three, Garrett Wilson, four, Jamison Williams, five, Traylon Burks. So Stu, because you're the man with the plan, you're the guy who made the list. Before you get into why you put everybody, just what, what was your thought process going into really ranking these wide receivers? Well, first, the first thing I did is I just wanted to see these guys. This is a class that, you know, I had heard of guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Like, I wanted to see the rest of the class before I – I because what I usually do is I, I get a good summer, like the quarterbacks, right? Like, I kind of knew where – who was going to be who before I started watching film and then adjusted it based off of film. Well, with this, I didn't really know because, like, I knew guys like Chris Olave, whatever – but I didn't really know some of the other guys like Jameis Williams, the the Traylon Burks, the Drake Londons, even you know the Wandell Robinsons who were down on the list, farther down, who could be really successful guys in this league. Um, I just I didn't know these guys until I started watching film, and I was very impressed. And how blessed are we? Like three years in a row, I think we're going to get some of the deepest wide receiver classes we've we've ever had. Yeah, 100%. So we'll get into the list. At number one, you have Drake London. What impressed you the most about Drake London? I know I've been looking at mock drafts. Um, a lot of people think he'll be the first wide receiver taken. Uh, through, through majority of mock drafts, he's kind of the common guy to be the first wide receiver taken. New York Jets are a possibility. I see that's like a common team that uh, the New Orleans Saints, if, if wide receivers kind of start to fall, the New Orleans Saints or somebody, but I see more so uh, Olave going to the New Orleans Saints. So with Drake London at number one, why was he your number one wide receiver? He's 6'5", 210. Reminds me of Mike Evans. I mean, let's Mike Evans out of Tampa Bay. He went to uh, – he played with Johnny back at Texas, Texas A&M. He's – people look at him and they 
they probably think, you know, he's not a very good separator. He is. He's a very good separator. He's a sneaky route runner for his size and his, his, you know, height and his weight. He's a very, very good Mo. I'm telling you, a very good ball catcher, like the radius. He's got contested catches, everything, his catch radius. I'm going to say a name. It's, he's not this level. I'm just for you to kind of grasp what I'm saying. Calvin Johnson esque, and like nowhere near Calvin Johnson. He, I'm not comparing him as Calvin Johnson, but what I'm saying is you throw the ball up in his vicinity, he's going to go up and get it more than likely. He's going to come down with it, and he may bring a guy down with him when he comes down with it. He's a very good deep threat. I think he needs to play an offense very similar to, like I said, with Mike Evans, where you run the ball deep and he can make some of those deep catches because that's what he's going to be good at in the NFL. His weaknesses, five to ten yards. Like I want to see him increase on these slant routes, these in cuts, these whip routes. Back, I want to see him increase – improve on those because those are some of his weaknesses but overall i think height strength catch radius route running deep threat just overall talent i think he's the best receiver in this class yeah and when i watch him so for me he's not my wide receiver one um but it's so close like this top five is very close you can make a justification for anyone to be the first wide receiver taken i think with all of these guys is very talented, but it is all about fit because they all bring something different to the table. And I think with Drake London, like you said, I do think it's a lot of Mike Evans. He's going to be a, a red zone target. He's going to really turn out to be a quarterback's best friend, kind of like a tight end in a system, right? Like when you have a really good tight end, that's your quarterback's best friend. Like when all thing, all else fails, get it to your tight end. I do think that's going to be what Drake London is to a team. Um, he doesn't have breakaway speed but neither does Mike Evans but somehow some way they're always wide open deep. Yep. um and like you said his his catch radius like if you put the ball in his vicinity he'll get it I go back and think about uh it was a, a touchdown pass he made on, on uh, a toe tap had to yep. turn turn around catch it on the outside of his body and made a one-hand grab and that play right there was like yeah this this guy he, he caught everybody's attention at that point and so like I said, he wouldn't be my wide receiver one, but it's so close that I don't have a problem uh, with him being number one. So here's the interesting thing. Let me, let me say this. I will say this, though, because when we did the the show before the national championship, I said Jamison William, James Williams was my wide receiver one. And I have him at third, or maybe it's fourth. But the, uh, the thing about that is I take injuries into account a lot of times when I do these rankings, just so everyone knows. If Jamison Williams was healthy, he would be my receiver one. But he's not, so he's falling down the list, just to let everyone know. Yeah, and I do think I, I do think that has some substance to it, obviously. Like, and he, he tore his ACL. It's not like he sprained his yeah. ankle, you know, so we don't know if how he's going to look in the combine. But before we continue on, we're going to bring our special guest. About time. Dang, man. No, I'm kidding. Walker Bailey, what, what, what time is it? You know, I ah, guess he does man, I'm sorry. How's the little party? <laughs> Walker, what's going on, bro? Not much, man. Uh, reading up a lot on the Senior Bowl stuff this last week. I actually watched a little bit of it. Uh, I watched the day they did the indoor, indoor stuff. So uh, just excited to get into the draft season. It's, you know, what you do when your team's not playing anymore this time of year. So, And we all know that feeling. So we, uh, definitely that's the, the NFL draft is what fully has our attention. So we went over the wide receiver rankings. We just started talking about Drake London. Uh, Stu dropped his wide receiver rankings. He got Drake London one, Olave two, Wilson three. Uh, Jamison Williams four and Trey Burks at five. So Walker, what's your opinion before we move on? What's your opinion on Drake London? 
Uh, I mean, I really like him, and he's been one of those where it's almost like I wonder if he's going to get prospect fatigue throughout this whole process because he's been such a big name since he arrived on campus at USC. And a lot of times we kind of do that with players where they've been so good for so long that we almost kind of take them for granted. Um, but I would still have, I think, the two Ohio State two Ohio State guys ahead of them. Um, I really like Olave, um, and I really like Garrett Wilson. Jamison Williams, I think the ACL tear was clean, but I still just kind of – I don't know. I just have questions there, and I don't really know what they are because he had a great year. But there's a little bit of hesitancy there. Like, I would want him probably later in the first round. Um, and then I love Traylon Burks. Like, I watched Traylon Burks play uh, on TV. I saw him play in person. I think he had like 150 and two against Ole Miss. Um, You're gonna love my player comp when I when we. And that was a shootout. I remember that game. He had an amazing. They had a drive where they had a drive where they literally just lined him up outside and threw straight like straight go routes, and they scored in like three plays and like completed all three. And I was just and they just he torched them, Um, and he did that to everybody all year. So like I think Burks is gonna be really fun just because of his versatility. You can play him anywhere. Like he can play out of the slot and be just as effective as he is outside. So I'm, I'm excited about him a lot. Uh, I'd probably have him a little bit higher than Williams just because of the ACL. I think yeah. they're almost n- – granted, granted, like Stu said, with if Williams was healthy, then, like, the, that's not a question really. And you don't really worry about how he's going to bounce back from the ACL. That's kind of become so common now that you're not super concerned about the bounce back. Uh, but I do just want to see it before I, like, you know, move him back up and resubmit him. Uh, is one of the top three guys in this class. But, yeah, I mean, I think all five are super close and super talented. Um, and, I really, and again, Drake London's been so good that for so long that I think some people will probably take him for granted and try to nitpick a lot of the little things like his 40 time or whatever else. Throughout see, the I'm glad that you say that because we do that a lot with these prospects, guys who we see, quarterbacks we see for four years, whatever it is, like we'll – we'll start to watch their film. We'll start to talk ourselves out of them as yeah. like, uh, you know, talent evaluators. And I'm glad you said that. Cause that's what happens a lot. That's probably hope it doesn't happen to Drake London probably will. And some team's going to get a steal and he, cause he's going to get drafted later than he needs to be. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Walker said something in obviously like, I feel like I, I'm not going to say, I feel like I know better than anybody, but like I've seen it firsthand longer is the the hesitancy for Jameson Williams. And here's why I say that. He did have a great year in Alabama, but this is a guy that was, you know, begging for playing time behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And so for him to have this amazing year, isn't I will say it's a surprise. Uh, he was a deep threat at Ohio State. Didn't have a lot of touches, though. Didn't get a lot of burn. He was like wide receiver four on Ohio State's roster. Like you even remember, you go back last year, it was Wilson, Olave, Smith, Najigba, he was getting about the same amount of playing time as Julian Fleming, who has kind of been surprised because he was the wide receiver one. He was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. You know, so I, I the fact that JSN has been the guy and not Julian Fleming has been a surprise. But that's where I hesitate really but going no. all in on, on Jamison Williams. To play devil's advocate, I mean, Joe Burrow was the third or fourth quarterback on that roster transfers to LSU and now look at him he's playing the Super Bowl I'm not saying I'm not saying that's going to happen to Jamison Williams and I understand quarterbacks a little more important you I mean Ohio State had Justin Fields you know all these other guys there I'm I understand that but I'm just saying just because a guy was buried down behind behind guys who are extremely talented I think that they uh 
I think he's still a, good, a very talented guy. I do agree there are some question marks. I'm with Walker. I can't really put my finger on it as to what it is, but there are some questions regarding Jamison Williams, and especially with this injury, it you know brought him down a little bit. I think, too, sometimes guys just need to change the scenery, and I think that's true both at the pro level and the college level. Sometimes you get buried, and sometimes maybe the work ethic goes a little bit, and you – you know, you enter the transfer portal or you leave in free agency and then maybe you kind of, it's a newfound confidence. It's a, you know, a different, you know, just style of play. And so maybe that's what he needed to really kind of launch himself into this conversation in the first round. Yeah. And Almost I agree. Went to Ole Miss too. Almost went to Ole Miss. Huge miss there. Yeah. And I agree. Cause it, it is one of those, like you get buried on the depth chart and a team, obviously like when it comes to wide receivers, especially the past couple of years, like Alabama, this was probably their weakest year, so this was the prime time for Jameson Williams to go catch passes from Bryce Young because this wasn't their strongest wide receiver class as far as in college. And then Ohio State, like the past like three to four years, they've arguably had the best wide receiver room in the country for the past three to four years. So like it gets to a point like you have to separate yourself and then there's you got to have some type of offensive consistency. So you can't throw six different receivers out there the whole game. Like, you got to have a set. You got to have, you know, where your depth chart falls in. We don't really run a, a five-wide spread for the most part. We always keep a running back back there, so you really have four. Obviously, JSN, you know, uh, uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who we're about to get into, all those guys are, like, immensely talented. We knew they were going to be first-round picks when we watched them. So it's interesting, Stu, because you're one of the very few that's that's gone out on the limb that I've seen to do it. You got – Chris Olave ranked ahead of Garrett Wilson. Going into going into last season or this past season, everybody was telling me Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson. When it comes, like if there's one, if there's certain players I know about, it's Ohio State. I watched them every Saturday. So I was so surprised that everybody was all in on Garrett Wilson, basically arguably being wide receiver one uh, going into the season, could be the first wide receiver taken. I know he's immensely talented. He's athletic. And I think, it's just Chris Olave. I don't. I don't know what it is or what it was that people like started falling out of love with Chris Olave prior to the season. But you're one of the very few. So why do you have Olave ahead of Garrett Wilson? I think uh, wide receiver wise, he's maybe the purest route runner in this class. Like I, I truly believe. Like I turned on his tape, the guy was always open. I, I couldn't figure out how. And then you watch the tape, and it's, it's his routes. I the, the guy's a dynamic player, Mo. Just dynamic, like. The guy is going to be successful in the league. I don't have any doubts about that. The guy's dynamic. I mean, I, I love Garrett Garrett Wilson, and I think Garrett Wilson is also going to be very successful. But it's almost like you go back to the DK Metcalf, uh, A.J. Brown situation. It's like one of them is clearly like at a different level, and the other one's going to be a really good player. And so, like, I look at Chris Olave. I think he's on a different level to – Garrett Wilson, as far as his speed, his dynamic playmaking ability, his, you know, route running everything to where Garrett Wilson is. And Garrett Wilson is going to be a fine player. He's going to make a lot of money in this league for a long time. And he's going to play for and be very successful for a long time. But I think Chris Olave is the more dynamic player. And then me is the, in my opinion, is the best receiver coming out of Ohio State this year and is the best receiver between those two. Yeah, so Walker, what do, what do you think? Because after you give your thoughts, I'm going to give you my comparison of, and I, I've told Stu this already, but I'll give you my comparison of who I could see like a, a boom or bust with Garrett Wilson. But what do you think about Olave and Wilson? 
I mean, I think Golave is like the ultimate prospect fatigue guy right now. Like, I mean, he would have been a first rounder if he came out last year. So I think that you're always looking for the next best thing. And like, I think maybe Garrett Wilson stepped up and was like, oh yeah, like this guy's got a lot of measurables. This guy's got this and that and the other. And then a lot, I mean, all Olave has done since he's been at Ohio State is produce. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Whether, I mean, even if he's a, you know, a tenth of a second slower in the 40, it's like Stu said too, he's such a good route runner. I think both of them are going to be really, really good and they're just, they're different. Um, but I mean, I would take Olave from the route running perspective. And then I would also just, you know, take him from a production perspective. I just think you have to be careful with the, with the, you know, trying to move on from guys just because they've been out, been around for a minute. Yeah, I agree. And so here's my thing. And, and then Walker, I'll let you get in on this. You, you would know a little bit about it personally. So Garrett Wilson, to me, it gives me Corey Davis vibes. Like, yeah. You know, we talk about how great he could be, his athleticism. And then, like, Corey Davis just never panned out. And then, he, you know, y'all traded him to the Jets, and then he's been hurt ever since then. Like, he's never really healthy enough to play. You see, but he's always, you see enough flashes to hold hope. But then he get like, right when you're about to give up, he gets you. Like, up, oh, you had a 100-yard game. You're like, ah, like, I just need this consistently. And he never did that in Tennessee. Obviously, he's never been healthy enough to do that in New York. What do you think about, like, am I crazy for thinking that this just seems so similar, Garrett Wilson to Corey Davis? Uh, I mean, no, you're not crazy. The thing I will say about Corey Davis is he had a lot of mitigating circumstances in Tennessee during his five years that maybe caused him to not be as successful as he could have been, whether it was quarterback play or injuries or target share, just system, all these other things. But, like, great wide receivers, and, like, A.J. Brown's proved this now in Tennessee. Like, great wide receivers play through that. So I think you may be with Garrett Wilson have some concern if you're comparing those two. You have some concern that if you put him in the wrong type of system, he's not going to be able to play through that and still be really, really good. Yeah, and that's kind of my concern. And like you said, because when I watch Olave, like, he just – he knows how to get open. He, he can run every route in the route tree. Like, he's probably – he's the best pure – wide receiver like Stu said he is the best pure wide receiver I think in this draft and I think he could go anywhere because he could fit you could put him in the slot you can put him on the outside I don't think Olave I think he in in my comparisons for him people call you know some people are calling it crazy because they think a race when I say it but I was like he's Edelman Wes Welker Cole Beasley like like he's going to be very productive for very long may never be great but he's always going to be really good. And in, in towards the end of his career, I think he's always going to be that guy a team is seeking. Like, all right, we have a top-notch wide receiver. Now let's let's bring in Chris Olave. I just think the way he gets open, he knows how to find his spots on the field. He knows how to find that, that open spot in the zone. I think he's going to be very effective. I don't know if Olave will ever be your best wide receiver and would say that you have a great wide receiver core. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I just think he's going to be really, really solid all around. And if you have a guy that's better than him, because I will say this, like Olave is probably never going to be super explosive in the league. And I think that's part of the reason that Olave maybe has slipped down boards a little bit is you have guys like Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks and even Garrett Wilson to an extent that are explosive and they're just a little bit more flashy. And I think a lot of times teams want to swing for that upside in the first round rather than taking the guy that's just really solid, you know, because if you end up with a wide receiver two in the first round and he's just solid, you, I mean, you may feel disappointed, 
and that whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But I feel like that's sometimes how teams think. And so like you may see Olave slip a little bit just because he doesn't have that just extreme upside that a lot of these other guys have. Yeah, Stu, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I like the comparison. I liked it the last time you said it where you compare them to Edelman and, and all these. And I agree, but I also think he has the ability. I mean, I do think he's a dynamic, like I said, a dynamic play player and a dynamic wide receiver. And I think he has the ability to be a superstar in this league. It's just going to be, I think for him fit wise, at least starting out, like when you look at some of these guys who we think about now, like I'll I'll bring up an example for you, right? Like for Russell Wilson, right? Like Wilson giving a different set of circumstances. I don't know if he's successful, but because he had that great defense and Marshawn Lynch there, he was able to build and make some mistakes and it not really cost him. If, Chris Olave can find a team where he can do some of these things and it not really hurt him that bad. Eventually, I think five, six years down the line, you could be saying he's the best receiver on your team and and you could be okay with saying that. Yeah, and I think so when I look at Olave, obviously I, I pay attention to a lot of mock drafts. We'll start doing ours here in the, in the next coming weeks. But I look at people have him going to New Orleans, which will put him as the second best wide receiver, assuming they keep Michael Thomas. I've actually seen, you know, a couple that had him going to Dallas. I'm not opposed to that. But even thinking about, like, he would be the second best wide receiver. I think Dallas is going to move on Amari Cooper uh, and possibly not even bring Michael Gallup back. So you got CeeDee Lamb and then you have Chris Olave. So I look at certain, you know, I, I look at certain situations. We don't know what free agency could bring. So then you're talking about, like, let's say New England. I think New England would be a solid fit, especially if they're able to sign Michael Gallup or Chris Godwin or or trade for Calvin Ridley because that's even being talked about. I think that would be a perfect fit. You put him alongside Calvin Ridley. Uh, I know they don't have a first-round pick, and he wouldn't fall this far. I think a perfect situation for him would be him in Chicago and they retain Allen Robinson. I think that would be a perfect situation for him. Play alongside, obviously play link back up with Justin Fields, but then you already have that chemistry. And I'm not saying it would be Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but you would get you would maximize Chris Olave's rookie year if you get him back with Justin Fields. You saw the damage they did together at Ohio State. Comfortability level. They've took a year apart, obviously, but when you're comfortable with a guy and you have your guy, it's just there. You don't have to work on things. You just have to figure out how you're going to use Olave in the system. But I think if they were able to retain Allen Robinson, if he was to drop in the second round, like I think Chicago should really consider. I don't think he makes it to the second round, so it's probably real. It's probably unrealistic. But I think that should be something to consider. You put him, Mooney, and Allen Robinson, like now you're talking about a very good wide receiver core for a young quarterback, but I know they're also going to be focused on building that offensive line before he gets killed and doesn't make it to year five. So I want to talk about a couple sleepers, like, we talk about top five, so obviously this is the stars. Like, this is the names everybody knows. But, you know, our good guy Chris Prez at the Off the Ball Network, his sleeper, obviously a little biased there in Charleston Rambo, but I do like Charleston Rambo. I do think he'd be a guy, like, I think he's probably third or fourth round grade right now, and he'd be somebody, like, uh, certain teams would, would really benefit from having him. So when we talk about the next few guys on the list, mine would be David Bell, uh, George Pickens, and that's I think George Pickens is going to be a steal for anybody who gets him because this is a guy who arguably prior to his ACL tear, he would have been wide receiver one. He would you know his freshman year, he was like oh this is going to be the best wide receiver in the country. 
And then he plays in Georgia. So you have to take that with a grain of salt a little bit because they don't have an elite quarterback. They don't have the offense where they're just beating you downfield. So I think George Pickens on film won't impress you. But I think at the combine, he did look healthy again. So I think at the combine is where he's going to move up a lot of people's boards. And I think he could be like that mid-second round. I don't know if he'll move into the first round. I just, with these five wide receivers, I don't think he has the potential to jump any of these five. But I think after the combine, like I think he's going to be that guy. Somebody's he's going to be a luxury to get in the mid to late second round. And he's going to put a lot of people on notice because, like I said, prior to his ACL injury, he was going to be the best wide receiver in this class. Like, it was his freshman year was absolutely amazing. And, you know what I'm saying, Georgia doesn't stress the ball down the field. So, Walker, we'll start with you. When you think about guys like a sleeper, like a, just a nobody's talking about, who comes to your mind? Uh, so, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, like, way down the board. We're going, like, this will probably be day three. Uh, but Calvin Austin at Memphis. Dude's got quick feet. He's going to play out of the slot. He's also probably going to take a returner role. Uh, yeah, that's what he did at Memphis. He was really good at both. Uh, he's really precise in the routes. There's a, um, He's a, just a great route runner, especially out of the slot. There's some stuff going around. He was at the Senior Bowl this week. He had a great week. Um, it's a guy at Memphis that was electric, out of just electric making plays. And I think that when you have a guy like that, um, it's just interesting. I think it'll be able to translate. He did it against high-level competition. He did it against SEC teams. Uh, so, I'll, like, that's my guy down the board that I'm keeping an eye on. I mean, I even kind of joke on Twitter, like, I'm a member of the Calvin Austin Hive. So, <laughs> I, that's that's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on. And then the other one is Christian Watson at North Dakota State. Which I think that name's not even super, like, I think that's not even really a sleeper anymore. Like, I think that a lot of people after they saw him at the Senior Bowl really jumped on. And um, he just had another, he had a really great week. And one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl, his route running was extremely precise. He has strong hands. So I think those are a couple guys I'm paying attention to. And then a guy higher up the board that I really like is Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. Just, I mean, just an electric playmaker. I think he went over 1,000 yards all three years at Boise State. Um, he was getting a lot of buzz this past week, too. Yeah, he had he had a couple uh, in red zone in, uh, red zone opportunities. He cooked some guys and ended up scoring a couple touchdowns. So I'm – I'm big on him too, uh, and then that's but that's also a guy that's probably a late second round instead of more like a day three or late day two. Yeah, I, and I definitely agree. And some of those guys have gotten buzz at the Senior Bowl, and that's what the Senior Bowl is for. It's like we know, like you know, obviously, like Garrett Wilson isn't the Senior, but like those guys, the Chris Olaves, they ain't got to compete in this. Like we we already know what they are, but it's the the under the radar guys, the day twos, the day threes that really need that stock rising, that extra week to get a, you know, a sole look at them in practice. And some of these guys have answered the call. So, Stu, when you think about a sleeper, before we move on to, like, our senior bowl reactions, when you talk about a sleeper or just somebody that you think will be, like, a luxury to get day two or day three, who, who are you thinking of? Uh, Wondell Robinson out of Kentucky. I love his ability. Now, he's not necessarily going – I think he's going to be a slot receiver in the NFL. And I think that's probably his ceiling. But what I do think, and we've seen this with San Francisco, is I think he's very dynamic with the ball in his hands and the different things he can do. And a player comp I gave him was a Ty Montgomery, but also a Debo Samuel. If he can fit that role where you can hand the ball off to him in the backfield, he can make some action happen, he's going to be very, very scary, and he's going to find different ways in the in the league to be dangerous as opposed to just 
send him out wide, throw him the football and have him catch it. Like he's going to be a guy you hand reverses to a guy that you put in the backfield, maybe like a Ty Montgomery or a Demo Debo Samuel, you hand him the football and you let him go to work. Like that's, I love Wandell Robinson that way from Kentucky. Um, I think he could be dangerous in that sense. And he's going to be a, probably a third, fourth round guy who I think will, will step up and, and be very successful. Uh, probably would have been maybe a second round guy in any other draft class, but because this is so such a deep draft class with so many talented guys, he probably falls to the third round. Um, and then the, the kid out of Penn State, Jahan Dotson, I really like him. I mean, he's not really a sleeper. Some people have him going in like the first round. I think Mel Kuyper had him going in the first round. But like when I talk, when I hear other people talking, like you never really hear him talk about Dotson. It's usually Burks and Olave and, you know, London and Jamison Williams and John Mechie. John Mechie's another guy who could be successful in the league from Alabama. But Dotson, yeah, I really like Jahan Dotson too. Yeah, and I think his stock dropped a little bit because he didn't have the huge year yeah. uh, out of Penn State. But it's one of those – that's another situation where it's like you you, you, you don't want to take it with too much grain of salt. Look who his quarterback was. Like, you know, it's not like they stretch the ball down the field. They typically run heavy, play defense, low-scoring games. So a talent like Dotson isn't always going to pop out at you and have these ridiculous numbers like – and so you, when you compare him to Wilson and Olave and you're like, well, yeah, but that's what Ohio State does. They air the ball out. The receivers put up these flashy numbers. They're fairly deep at the position anyway. You know, they have a they're they base their talent off offense. It's high powered, high scoring. They don't play in those 20 to 17 games where that's how Penn State plays. Run the ball, play defense. So when you have a top talent, they're not sure how to use them. I think that's about to change. I know Penn State has a top tier quarterback coming in. And I think that's the reason why they recruited heavy at, at, uh, at quarterback to kind of change that and catch up to Ohio State, essentially. I think that's what a lot of Big Ten is doing is catching up to that style of play. And so I think Dotson would have been better off playing with this quarterback coming in instead of Sean Clifford. I mean, Sean Clifford, what? He probably won't get drafted. You know, yeah. average college quarterback. If you're an average college quarterback, you probably won't have a career in the NFL. If you're lucky, you'll be on somebody's practice squad. So I do think Dotson, like, he didn't benefit from the system playing like had he been at Ohio State or Ole Miss or Alabama, Clemson, like those aired out schools that put up a lot of points. Shoot, Arkansas, the way they played this year, like Tennessee, schools like that where you, you could put up numbers. I think he'd be a lot higher on people's boards, but because like he didn't his numbers didn't pop out, especially as a compared to some of these guys, I don't think he's getting the love, but like you say, he's not really a sleeper. He's right outside that top five, but he's also not getting the love that he should get. But I think it's, you know, the same way I look at George Pickens. Like I look at those two in the same, I think they both are top tier wide receivers. I just think they don't benefit well from, you know, playing in Georgia and Penn state respectively. So I do now, like the Rondell Robinson call though. I, and I like, I like, uh, uh, God, I just shot a blank. David Maybe my Bell. favorite receiver in this draft. David Bell is good, too. David, David Bell's Bell's like, Bell's be like, he's getting lost guy. in the sauce right yeah. now, and nobody's really talking about him. They were going into the season, but then now, you know, getting ready for the draft is focused on the stars. You want to know, we're doing mock drafts, first-round picks. That's it. We're not talking about the second and third-round guys. You're talking about those day one and borderline day two, so early second-round picks. And I think, I think David Bell – it, it, I think he's going to be all about system, all about fit. I mean, typically that's everybody when they get drafted, but I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that no matter where he goes, he's impactful. But I think he's going to benefit maybe going day two and going 
mid-second round to a pretty good team that needs that second weapon. I think if, if Green Bay brings back Aaron Rodgers, I think Green Bay should take a look at him. Like, I, this should be the year Green Bay takes a wide receiver. One of these top seven wide receivers should be wearing a Green Bay Packers uniform if they are bringing back Aaron Rodgers. Like, bring back Devontae Adams and give the man he wants and get him another wide receiver. There's no way we should get David Bell and Pickens being drafted, and none of those guys are wearing Green Bay uniforms. Yeah. So it should finally be the year where either in the first round or the second round, they take one of these top ten wide receivers. So I'm not being I'm not being biased. Like this is I put my analysis hat on when I when I say this. Like I just look at you know like Indianapolis if they can figure out the quarterback situation that needs to be the number one thing. But outside of that, like if they can figure it out, like okay, you have Michael Pittman, but outside of Michael Pittman, who do you have? I think look for them to make you know a move for wide receiver, whether it be in free agency or whether it be at the draft, I would like to see it be the draft because then you can build up um, a young Michael Pittman alongside a, another young, talented wide receiver. They don't have a first-round pick, so they're going to get one of these guys in the second round who I think could slide in and be a, a very good guy in the league for, for a long time. Yeah, and I do think the Colts should be looking at wide receiver. I mean, it just makes the most sense. So we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. What's there for means we're going to end up because this is like the most loaded Senior Bowl we've seen. So we're going to end up talking quarterbacks because that was the focal point of the Senior Bowl. Five of what the six top quarterbacks were were in this Senior Bowl outside of Matt Corral. So that's what ends up being the focus. But I do want, and I know it's it's the Senior Bowl is almost like a, a higher level Pro Bowl, but at the same time, like they're not going all out. But I want to give credit to all the pass rushers in the Senior Bowl yesterday because they were nothing short of amazing. Like they were getting to the quarterbacks, they were getting sacks. My guy, you know, uh, Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State had two sacks in the first quarter. Like, But the, the the pass rushers as a whole were very impressive. I know they had big weeks. There were a few players that had big weeks, but I do want to give a shout-out to the pass rushers before we get too too far uh, in the quarterback. So before we talk about the quarterbacks, uh, Stu, we'll start with you. Just your overall reaction on, on the senior ball practice, you know, the game, and just kind of your overall reaction of how you're able to evaluate these guys now that, like, their final evaluation period is over heading into the combine. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's hard to evaluate and because you only get to see like one drive and from, you know, certain guys like the quarterbacks, you only get to see one drive. You could look really, really good one drive, but how do we know the next drive or the next two drives? You're not going to come out and stink up the joint. We don't. But, you know, so it's hard to evaluate that way. But that's also a chance for some for some guys who – Maybe in in their rankings, their positions maybe being questioned. The Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado, like you know, where is he? Is he tied in one? Is he tied in two? I think in the Senior Bowl, kind of, especially through the practice part, so uh, submitted himself as the tight end one, in my opinion, and really kind of that guy who's going to be a late, late like twenty eight to thirty two first round pick, and if he doesn't go there, he'll go into in the first half of the second round. Um, but yeah, I look at a guy like Trey McBride who who's very successful or going to be very successful. I think benefiting from this, uh, just a practice. I think you're going to find more so than the game itself. Like if you watched the practice throughout the week, you saw some things. I saw some things. I kept my eyes on the quarterbacks mostly because that's what I love to evaluate. And I saw some things from certain guys who I had very high 
made me question and knock him down a little bit. And that's some of the things you can see in practice that maybe you don't see just watching the game. Yeah, 100%. Walker, before we get into these quarterbacks, just kind of your overall reaction from the senior bowl in, in practice. Oh, I mean, I fell in love with Trevor Penning. Like, yeah. he was slinging 100%. guys around, talking shit, like, took it super serious. And the best part was, like, when you talk to – or when you kind of listen to what some of the coaches said and – like, he, like, came in and, like, he told the defenders right away. He was like, I'm not here to be your buddy. Like, I'm about to kick your ass. And, and I mean, and he did. And I think a lot – I think that's a guy that kind of rose on my boards because coaches are going to love that stuff. Like, they're going to love the come in and the business-like attitude. And he comes in and he handled his business at tackle and uh, in practice all week. And he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And then I think, too, like, it's a good time – the Senior Bowl is a good time, like, for your work ethic to be on display. Like, I saw something on the offensive line, like Zion Johnson. He was a guard at Boston College. He's probably a second-round pick right now. But he stayed out in the rain the day that they practiced inside and was working on snaps in the rain for, like, ball handling so he could potentially move to center in the NFL. And, like, executives noticed that stuff. So I just thought there was a lot of cool moments, and there were some, like, guys that maybe we didn't know about uh, where they had cool moments at the Senior Bowl, and you could take away and be like, oh, that's really cool. And, like, then you kind of read more about them, and then you watch Senior Bowl tape and maybe dog, dive into their actual college tape. And all of a sudden, you kind of like, Penning's probably a first-round pick, and Zion Johnson's probably a second-round pick. So I thought there were some cool stuff going on non-quarterback-wise that, um, that, like, we should have taken more notice of. Yeah, and I think the toughest part is in the Senior Bowl this year is a little bit different because, like, Five of the top six quarterbacks were in this, were participating in the senior bowl. So we're not used to seeing that. We're not used to seeing like there's multiple first round quarterbacks that are playing in the senior bowl, pretty much used to them coming out their junior year, the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, those type of players. And so that was the focus. That was what everybody, you know, this is considered the weaker quarterback class, especially when you look at next year. Headlined by Bryce Young and uh, uh, C.J. Stroud, obviously. But it's really Spencer deep. Rattler. Yeah, potentially Spencer Rattler, DJU, if he has a breakout year. Like, there's a lot of names that people are going to be looking at, uh, you know, next year coming out of the draft at quarterback. It's considered a strong class next year. So when I watch these quarterbacks this week, Malik Willis had one bad day. That was kind of his first day after that. He, he was the most impressive in practice. Like, you know, uh, he, it got voted by the defensive players that, you know, he was the best on, on their team. And so I look at it, but then I watch the game. Obviously, it's only a drive or two. Malik Willis played like the whole first quarter. Kenny Pickett played like the whole first quarter. And then you didn't see them. What concerned me about, about Malik Willis was he looked, very, he looked very comfortable in the pocket. So I'm not killing him for that. And we know he's athletic. But he didn't show me anything else that I wanted to see from Malik Willis. Like, I wanted an amazing throw or something like that. And I'm not saying he can't, because I think a lot of people are starting to fall in love with him. But he showed off his athleticism. What do he have, like 50-something, almost 60 rush yards, almost yeah. ran it in, you know, down the field. We know that, though. I wanted to see more with his arm. And I think the offense, you know, me, Stu, we talked about this before the show. I think with all these quarterbacks, the play calling protected them. They didn't want to put them in a position where you have to prove how accurate you are when you're not the most accurate quarterback. Like, I don't think they wanted to expose anybody in the senior bowl, and I think that's why the play calling was. But Malik Willis did look very comfortable uh, in the pocket. And the biggest thing, Walker, you and me have talked about it, uh, you know, through messages, is the fact that everybody's kind of caught up to Kenny Pickett at this point. Like, yeah. it was Kenny Pickett and obviously Matt Corral. Matt Corral wasn't there. 
you know, we'll, we'll wait to see him in the combine. But Kenny Pickett kind of the first couple of days, it was like, man, he's the clear cut quarterback one. It's not within question. And in the next three or four days, you're like, I'm seeing Desmond Ritter's quarterback one. I'm seeing more people fall in love with Malik Willis. I'm hearing Carson Strong, you know, is getting a lot more hype about him. And so, you know, Bailey Zapp, he didn't look that great either. But, you know, that's I don't think he's going to be a high draft. I don't think he's going to be drafted high anyway. I think he'll go in the second or third round, which is fairly high for somebody coming out of Western Kentucky. But I don't think he's that guy. Like, I don't think there's a question about him being the first quarterback or one of the first three quarterbacks. Uh, taken in this draft, but Stu, I know you want to hit on Malik Willis. So when you were just watching the practice, watching the tape, what stood out to you with these quarterbacks this week? Well, here's the thing. Everyone, all I saw on Twitter was how everyone was blown away about how Malik Willis threw the ball in the rain. And at least that first day or the first couple of days before they moved it inside. And my response to that is the same response I have for those who are like, well, I didn't know Sam Howell's arm was that strong. Here's my response. You obviously weren't watching the tape because when you watch Malik Willis, the ball leaves his, it pops out of his hand. That's the thing that people love about Malik Willis. And so when you have an arm like that, you're going to throw through the wind. You're going to throw through the snow. You're going to throw through the rain and you're not going to have any problem getting the ball through there. When you have a weak arm, you're going to struggle with that stuff. And so, those things like hearing that and, and all that stuff, it's like, well, you obviously weren't watching the tape then because Malik Willis has shown you this is what he can do in these situations based off his arm strength. Um, playmaking ability. Here's the thing. I taught, I haven't talked about this enough yet. And we eventually will closer to the draft is how you kind of want to use these players. If you do draft these guys Josh Allen is the blueprint for what you want to do with Malik Willis. Use his legs his first year. He he may complete 56% of his passes and throw 17 touchdowns, 14 picks. But use his legs. Make him a dynamic runner, and they did that in the Senior Bowl. And then work on his passing in the background and practice and all this other stuff. That way, year two, you can release him a little more. Then year three, you can finally capitalize on his strengths. Um, I think that's what you need to do the guy like Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, they didn't, like you said, they, they protected him. They didn't give him a chance. His biggest knock and the biggest thing I have against him is his inaccuracy. And they didn't hit 15-yard out routes. When they did, they booted him out. That way it was right there for him to dump it into. Like, I want to see him in the pocket, bearing down defensive ends, and you do it. I didn't see that. Um, Kenny Pickett in the game. His arm looked okay, but in practice, even indoor, in practice, his arm looked weak. And he was my QB1 when we did the rankings with Elijah, you know, a few weeks back. He was my QB1, and he's been knocked down this list because he's his arm worries me. His arm strength worries me. It really does. I didn't see it on tape. I, I didn't see it in games. But when I watched him practice, and I watched how wobbly the ball came out. I watched how weak his arm was, and he struggled to get it down there. It concerns me. Sam Howe, listen, everyone talked about Sam Howe coming into the year. He's my quarterback one coming into the year. And everyone was knocking him because of the lack of talent he had around him. I think he displayed in practice and everything else his arm strength and, and re, re ignited that flame of, hey, don't forget about me. You know, everyone forgot about Dre. Well, Dre's still here. Don't forget about me. And I think, you know, that's that's the thing. And I think, Walker, you're going to hate this, but I think Matt Corral 
is going to get knocked on for not being in the senior bowl, at least right now, I think Matt Corral will pick it back up come, you know, combine no, and pro day. Com, come combine and pro day, I think he's eventually going to be like, listen, I'm the I'm the guy. But, yeah, I think overall some guys impressed me, some didn't, and some showed me things I already knew. Yeah, and, and that was something you did say something about, you know, Matt Corral was like, obviously you, you go on the hype train. Him not being there was a, a, another chance for guys to show that they were better. Uh, I think, like you said, come pro day, come combine, he's going to be right back in the conversation. Yeah. Those 30 minutes that he's going to be throwing, all, all eyes are going to be on him, and I think he's going to impress and be right back to where he's probably a lot of people's quarterback <clears throat> one. Uh, I don't think he's getting that respect right now, but, you know, that's out of sight, out of mind right now. Everybody's, yeah. you know, hype coming off the senior bowl, out of sight, out of mind. But you're, you're not, like you said, you're not going to forget about him, you know, once he's able to show off that arm talent and everything like that. So, Walker, with, with the quarterbacks, what stood out to you and what disappointed you if you came away disappointed with any of these prospects uh, for the senior bowl? Uh, I mean, I came away, and I guess this was a little bit too before the senior bowl, and the senior bowl just almost like advanced it. I've come away like starting to like Carson Strong more and more. The guy's got like Carson Strong. The guy's got an absolutely massive arm, and when you get away from the senior bowl and dig into the tape, it seems like, especially you know, they really aired it out. Um, it seems like anytime he his team needed him to make a massive throw in a tight window or make a massive throw over the top, like he did. Like, it seemed like he had multiple of those every single game. And, like, I've started to come away really liking Carson Strong in the back end of the first round as opposed to taking one of the other guys at the top end of the first round if if your team is hunting a quarterback. And, yeah, and so then this week he made a couple throws. Like, I think he had one to the mm -hmm. front left pylon where I came away and was like, wow. Like that's like there's only you have to have a plus plus arm strength to make that throw, and there's no way it's being defended. And so I think I think the next thing was strong will be is it is pro day and combine and stuff like that. Just want to see a little bit more of the touch throws. Like I mean, it's cool yeah. to be able to throw a million miles an hour, but I need to see a little bit more of the of the touch. And I think now that I've kind of become interested, I'll probably watch more film and see if I can find that type of stuff to address whether or not it's a concern. Mo, I've talked privately with you about this. I've said this about Pickett for the longest time is when your two concerns for a quarterback in the first round are his arm strength and his awareness, then you have to really question whether or not he's a good quarterback or whether he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And I think we saw a little bit of that with his arm strength this week. Not with the awareness in the game. He actually played well in the game. Um, I think he was like six out of six for 89 yards and touchdown. So you yeah. can't really ask for more. But, I mean, I think when those are your two biggest concerns and you have to really feel good about those two things in order to take him high in the first round. And I don't think this week did anything to make me feel better about those two things. In fact, the arm strength I maybe actually feel a little bit worse about. Yeah. So I think that I, – I think it just makes it harder. I think you're looking at all these quarterbacks and you're kind of like, okay, I don't really see one that I feel great about taking in the top 15 currently and that may change once we see you know matt at the at matt at pro day or at the combine or any of these guys at pro day or at the combine i think malik willis actually has the best case to climb but i have malik willis kind of circled at 20 for pittsburgh like that's kind of a super poorly kept secret i think and a lot of people out of mobile were talking about that um so yeah but i mean and i actually and malik willis has grown on me like i had accuracy concerns but then i watched him throw this week and um and he looked a lot better at in Mobile than he did actually on tape, 
just because, and that may have been an offensive system thing or just, you know, progression over the offseason. But I thought he looked a lot better than I remembered him looking on tape and in person. So he's actually growing on me. Yeah. And so, you know, the person that surprises me the most is, you know, reading last night just multiple journalists, scouts, scouting reports is that there are people who are coming out saying that Desmond Ritter is their quarterback one. Like, He's put himself in that position. I don't see it. Like, and he, he's good. He's he was a good quarterback in college, but he he's more he reminds me so much of like Kellen Mond. Like that, that's yeah. like, you know, he, he's a Kellen Mond. I think he's a little bit better thrower of the football than Kellen Mond was, but that's who he kind of reminds me of. Like Kellen Mond, even like the ultimate Desmond Ritter at his best would be Dak Prescott. And that's if we get that's the what people version. want him to be. That, exactly. That's if we get the best version of Desmond Ritter, he's Dak Prescott. But I think going into the draft and going into the combine, he's Kellen Mond. And so for people to have come and said, like, through this week, they've been impressed with him. It almost is like, is it because you weren't high on him at all? And so he impressed you because you had no expectations for him? Or is it some of those top quarterbacks? Can he pick it? Really, Kenny Pickett, I think he was the focus because he didn't impress. Like you said, everybody kind of closed the gap on Kenny Pickett. Going into the, going into the senior bowls, like Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral. Obviously, Matt Corral wasn't able to display anything, but I'm not going to knock him for that. He's got a pro day on the combine that we're going to be able to evaluate, talk about, he'll put himself right back in the conversation. But Kenny Pickett, the first two days, it was like I read reports, and it's like he's my clear quarterback one. Like, it, it's him, and then it's everybody else at this point, and we'll we'll wait and see what Matt Corral, how much he impresses us when, when his time comes. Now you're hearing that, like, and he did go six for six. He looked good in the game, so maybe, you know, people are kind of backing off of, of knocking him a little bit. But for Desmond Ritter to even anybody say, like, that's my QB1 right now, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Like, what, what do y'all think about Desmond Ritter being – even some a, a scout saying that I would take him first. I came away. I this. came away higher on Ritter though, like a little bit. Like I mean, I just I saw a little bit of the touch throw, like a few of the touch throws. Like I just think the problem with Ritter always is going to be the inconsistency. Like I mean, you can like you've seen the big time throws out of Ritter at Cincinnati, but like it's just not consistent, and that's a reason. That's the reason you're taking him as a project in the fourth. But and he lacks the explosive traits that Malik Willis has. Where when you do the when you go through that project, like you have elite results at the end. Like I think the hope is that he ends up as Dak Prescott. I, I just don't think that's super likely. But I did come away where I was like, okay, I can see maybe a little bit more than I did before. Like, hey, listen, here's the thing. I I told you, like, I I saw some things. I wanted to see him throw these out routes because he struggles with accuracy. The ball's too high. The ball's too low. It's too far outside. And that has to do with the throwing motion. So when you go to throw, like if it's all compact, like Peyton, Tom, all these guys, and I'm not saying you have to be Peyton or Tom, but when it's compact like that, you're going to be more accurate, more likely. But we saw this with Justin Fields and why a lot of people were like, oh, Justin Fields and Carson Wentz does this, is when Carson Wentz is inaccurate, his arm separates from his body. So then when the rotation comes, his arm is like lacking behind. That's what Desmond Ritter does. And it was still there in the senior bowl. And just because you're able to roll him out and make the passes easier and all this other stuff for him, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's impressed. I'm telling you that the biggest thing is the tape never lies. I always say that. And I, 
I have him as my quarterback five. I had him above Malik Willis when I did my quarterback ranking. So it's not like I hate the guy. But I'm telling you, I told Mo this before we went on. I Coming out, and I was very negative on this guy coming out. Coming out of the draft or out of college, I would take right now Jalen Hurts coming out over a dozen Ritter any day of the week, and I beat Jalen Hurts to death as far as the negative goes with the things I didn't like about Jalen Hurts, and that tells you where I am on on Desmond Ritter. But I I do think – see, my thing is these quarterbacks, most I'll say most of these quarterbacks will benefit from – a lot of them aren't going to start day one. Uh, I think Corral will go when wherever he goes. I think he's getting taken by a team that he's going to be expected to be day one starter. I think Kenny Pickett and probably – Possibly Malik Willis. I know somebody had him mocked to go to uh, Atlanta, which therefore would not put, since they're sticking with Matt Ryan, that at least puts him a year on the bench. I think Look out for him to go to Detroit, too. I mean, he worked with their coaching staff. So if he goes there, he's going to sit behind Goff for a year, and that could be really good. I'm telling you, like, circle Malik Willis at 20 to Pittsburgh. Like, circle that. Like, that's one that I think that they sign, like, someone cheap for agency, like, and be really bad for a year. Yeah, and then Malik starts. Uh, Malik starts his year two with maybe they go and draft another really good wide receiver or something and add something to that room. Like, I like that. that would be good. And I'm almost concerned about what Pittsburgh's going to do because they keep talking about Mason Rudolph and Dwight. Like we have Rudolph. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is for a year. So that's what I'm saying. Like they keep talking about it. It keeps getting thrown out there. The reports keep coming out that they are always referring to we have Rudolph and Haskins. So they're not they, – I don't expect them to make a big move for Russell Wilson if he's, you know, available for trade, if Aaron Rodgers is available for trade. Uh, I think Jimmy well, G to Pittsburgh I mean, makes sense in drafting one of these quarterbacks. You're not going to have to give up your first round. I think in Pittsburgh, and, and I've said this, I said they need to go get Jimmy G, have him for a year or two. We don't even know if he'll be – I mean, he, he was pretty durable this year but still had a couple, you know, injuries. We don't even know if he'll last for two years – to the point where you won't play your rookie quarterback. But at the same time, like I think use Jimmy G or, or Teddy Bridgewater as like your bridge quarterback and draft Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or whoever you like, if they're available on the board at, at that time. And I think that would be the best move for Pittsburgh. And now look at Carson strong and the knock on him is his athleticism. That's, that's what people are focused on is he's a pocket passing quarterback, obviously in today's league. But who cares? Like Mac Jones is going to win. You know, has has before Justin or before uh, Jamar Chase, like people were talking about Mac Jones winning offensive rookie of the year. Like at that point, like I don't I understand that's where we're headed. I get it. But I do think I do think. Yeah, we are there. I do think like mentally, though, you can still find ways to win. You, you're going to have to put in the work on tape and, and study and stuff like that to where to make up for your lack of athleticism. But I think he has all the traits you want to be a starting quarterback in this league for a decade to 15 yeah, years. Yeah, but he's, he's athletic enough in the pocket that he can move and avoid rushers. Yeah. That's, all, like, that's all that's important. Like, exactly. ask Burrow and Matt Stafford. Like, that's where we're at. I mean, like, yeah. Burrow, like, what makes Burrow so great is the escapability. And, like, I'm not saying Strong has that. But I'm just saying, like, if he's athletic enough to avoid edge rushers and is smart enough in the head to, you know, know, okay, like if I'm seeing this and I'm getting pressure from here, I need to slide here and do whatever else. Like, I mean, like, I don't think it's like, I think people are infatuated with yeah. the elite traits or the elite athleticism of certain guys. Like Malik Willis fits in that category. Like if people are infatuated with his 
elite athleticism and his huge arm. And like, that's great. Like it's traits, it's tools, it's things that you have to build on. But I mean, I don't think like you can just be like, okay, like Carson Strong doesn't have those tools. So like, let's just like, like, let's throw it out. Yeah, I just think so with Stu, with what you said about Mac Jones, I think you got to be careful saying like if you're justifying the love for Carson Strong, then you got to be careful with the comparison of Mac Jones because he's he's a better quarterback than Mac Jones. But the point I go ahead, uh, Mac, but I'm just saying Mac also went to where the situation for a rookie quarterback was perfect. Like you go and you're playing for Bill Belichick. You got Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator. You're lacking weapons, but you depend on defense in the run game. So you wouldn't be asking a quarterback to like the ask for Mac Jones to win games. Wasn't crazy. I mean, what he threw three passes in a win, right? So, you, I, even with That's Mac Jones, like, yeah, but even in Mac Jones, I need to see more. So when people do say like, well, Car- Carson Strong doesn't need to be an elite athlete. You don't because that's why you're quarterback. I mean, CJ Stroud said it best. Like, you know, if I was, if I was going to run, I'd play running back. I'm a quarterback. I stay in the pocket. I throw the ball. I sling the ball across the field. If I wanted to be a runner, I'd play running back. So I do understand that as long as you can move and avoid getting sacked. I don't care if you can run 30 yards down the field. I mean, that does help a lot, but at the same time, like that's also doesn't have to be your job, like get stronger running backs or, or, you know, have a stronger run game. You shouldn't have to necessarily depend on your quarterback to be your runner. You see that with Josh Allen and Buffalo, like Devin Singletary finally got going and that offense changed immensely because Josh Allen wasn't your best runner and your best passer. So, but even still, when I look at Mac Jones, if if I want to say Carson Strong could be Mac Jones X, like is Carson Strong going to go to the same situation that Mac Jones went, where you went to the greatest coach of all time, uh, a top notch offensive coordinator, and things like that, a great an elite defense, an elite run game, a, a great offensive line. Like if you don't have all those, you're going to be asked to do more than what Mac Jones was. Like none of these quarterbacks, I think, will go into a situation where once they step on the field. Three pass attempts will get them a win. I, I don't think there will be a situation that any one of them go to to where like three pass attempts in a game gets them a win. So that's just my thing. Even with Mac Jones, like I still hold off on how good he really is. Josh McDaniels is gone. That's something to think about. So now we'll really see like if if that defense that's aging. So when you look at Mac Jones, like now you're going to really see, do they go get an elite wide receiver, you know, out of free agency, a guy win or even a Michael Gallup, less not necessarily elite, but a better weapon than what you have. But even when I look at Carson Strong, like I don't want to throw anybody compare him to Mac Jones yet because I'm still not 100% sold on Mac Jones. And you started seeing it later in the season against Miami again against Buffalo. And I know, Walker, I know you with me. I know you ain't sold on Mac Jones completely. I have a take. If um, if Carson Strong ended up drafted in Tennessee and they met with him this week, then his first year would be better than Mac Jones's rookie year. It. That that would go to my point. He would That's be he won't play his first year, and he would not. Nah, he but, might. No, I said his first year under center. I didn't say his rookie year. That's why I said that. Okay. I was careful with okay. my words there. His there first year under center. I was gonna say they're like paying like Tannehill like like half, year, half a billion dollars to be their yeah. quarterback. So I mean, yeah, yeah, but I think I think that would be especially when you look at Tennessee. And I'm almost if if he doesn't play, obviously if he gets drafted by Tennessee, I don't think he'll play this year. Uh, so I would right. look at they won't have Julio. But I think Tennessee would have another wide receiver. Obviously, they have A.J. Brown. Obviously, they still got Derrick Henry back there. They went healthy. They do have a good defense. Is it elite? No. 
but they got the pieces where when healthy, that Tennessee defense is good. So you would be going to a good situation. You're going to a good coach, you know, a good offense, a pretty decent defense, you know, uh, an above average defense at the worst. So I think that would be a, a, a prime situation. I think a lot of these guys should kind of be itching to go to Tennessee. Like, I think if, if Tennessee meets with them and they're sold on them, I think you should want to play in Tennessee yeah. for the simple fact when you look at, I'm going to sit a year, guaranteed. I'm not going to have to play my first year. I'm going to be able to learn the system, learn behind Ryan Tannehill, not necessarily, you know, like it's not like sitting behind Tom Brady, but at the same time, like I get to learn and get adjust acclimated to the NFL. And then I have an elite weapon in AJ Brown. I have an elite running back. I'm going to be handing the ball off to. I think Tennessee would be a prime spot for one of these guys to actually get drafted and go. If to I'm an, if I'm an agent talking to these rookie quarterbacks that are going to go at the back end of the first round, I'd tell them, man, you got to smell blood in the water after that last playoff game. Like you got to smell blood in the water there with Tannehill. And so like, I think with that being the case, like, um, I think with that being the case, you would want him to like really impress in interviews and stuff like that. And I'm sure that Carson Strong did fine talking with the Titans, but yeah, because he um, talked with the Titans, Philly, he talked with the Titans, the Saints, the Eagles. I have the there was a list of about five teams where they went ahead and met with him this week, um, which I thought was interesting because I don't and I because I kept trying to find it and I couldn't, so maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. I kind of was like, huh? Did like any of the other quarterbacks end up meeting with anybody or like? Or what? And that just ended up not. Yeah, because the only one that came out was that, like, Carson Strong met with, like, five teams. It was, like, Tennessee, Philly, New Orleans, Washington, and somebody else. Um, But he did meet with five teams. Obviously, I think he was probably – he probably impressed them. They like it. I mean, he does have elite arm strength. I think he would be – I think he would be ready to go. Obviously, there's, what, six quarterbacks that we we see will be drafted in the day one or day two. Only two of these guys, more than likely, like history tells us, only two of these guys pan out. So before we go, I'm going to I'm gonna put everybody on the spot. History tells us out of these six that we talk about, two of these guys pan out. So I'll start with you, Stu. Pick your two that you think get that, get that extension, get that second contract, and continue to play for the team they get drafted by. Before Stu goes, it was the it was the it was the commanders. Ugh. The Saints, uh, the Steelers, the Eagles, and the Titans that met with Carson Strong. The Commanders. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, and the reported meeting between Tennessee and Carson Strong went, quote-unquote, really well, which is how most interviews go. <laughs> and I see that smile on your face, so you seem yeah. a little excited. But uh, so, for yeah. me, I, I think the guys who are going to be successful out of these, like, six quarterbacks, it's a tough one, Bo. You're putting me on, put me on the put, spot. Put you on the spot. I didn't let you prepare for it. Damn how. I think, for me, I love Sam. I've loved Sam since his freshman year at UNC. Uh, I think Sam Howe has the traits, the arm strengths there. If you want to know if he can run for, if he can run, uh, just look. I think he ran for almost a thousand yards. Yeah, eight hundred fifty-five or something. Eight hundred fifty-five. So, is he athletic enough? I think the answer is yes. You don't believe me? Just go check the tape. Um, so, Sam Howe's the guy for me. Probably. Matt Corral, because I think he displays enough stuff athletically to be that guy. Outside of those two, it's a lot of wait and see. Malik Willis could, I guess, but we'll see. Uh, I don't think Kenny Pickett will. I, I That was a long time ago. <laughs> I know I was going to ask Walker's dog if they were. Yeah, I swear. Like, she's back here but, jumping in the back. Uh, yeah. Here she comes. 
Kenny Pickett, I would have said probably. I would have said before this that he was maybe the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft, but I disagree with that now, and that's my own statement. So for me, it's Sam Howe and probably Matt Corral, but I'm more confident with Sam Howe. I'm not saying Matt Corral can't be. I just think I, I would not want Matt Corral to go play for a team where he's going to get the crap beat out of him. So hopefully he goes like New Orleans or like a you know a good place like that. But probably Sam Howe and probably Matt Corral. Yeah, and real quick before I go to you, Walker, I will say New Orleans is not the place it was three months ago for a quarterback to go to. Or three weeks that's ago. To, yeah, or three weeks ago. So that's something <laughs> to think about. Is Unless they get Eric Bieniemy, then we're talking about like you – know, like And guy. even still, that's maybe because it still will be a first-time head coach at the end of the yeah. day. He is a great offensive coordinator. I get that. But it still is a first-time head coach. So was Matt Nagy. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't – I don't – when, when it comes to New Orleans, like, they're not the same. The, the thought process of, you know, the weapons, yeah, you'll have Kamar, you should have Michael Thomas. We don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded, but – and they're in cap hell. So, like, you're not making a better team and you lost your coach. The offensive guru, the guy that you would want to match a quarter – like, that's a match made in heaven. If I'm the quarterback that goes to New Orleans and plays for Sean Payton, that will not be the case. So, Walker, put your stamp on your two. Who gets the extensions? Hey, real quick before you go, I, I got to go, guys. It was fun. Right, I, I enjoyed it. Walker, first time being on the show with you. I enjoyed yeah. it. I know we have our beef in the chat, but, you yeah. know, I love you, my guy. You're my guy. You All right, I'll see you guys later. All right, Stu. Uh, I'm going to go uh, strong. Oh, I'm Carson Strong and Matt Corral. And then, uh, and then like, if you had to make me pick a third, it would be Willis because I've, like, grown on Willis. So, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, – you those two, Mark. those two, but I want to like honorable mention Willis, so like it doesn't sound like a knock. Yeah, you got so you stole mine because I was gonna go Matt Corral and Carson Strong. Um, I, I think Matt Corral is gonna be the best quarterback uh, in yeah. this draft class. I, I do think that he has some Russell Wilson like you know uh, qualities, and I think the thing is these guys aren't gonna go to piss poor teams. Like not all of them. Yeah. Like Washington is not a bad spot to go to. If you're Matt Corral, like I have Terry McLaurin, they could draft another wide receiver. You know, you got a good, you got two good running backs uh, in the backfield. You don't have the worst offensive line. So like even going to Pittsburgh, not necessarily a bad situation or offensive line can improve, but you will go somewhere where you're surrounded with weapons. I'm sure if they get a young quarterback, the next best thing to do is, is find somebody to protect them. So you look at Matt Corral or even Carolina. Carolina is another team where if one of these guys go to, like, I mean, there's a possibility they trade CMC, but, you know, you still have Chuba Hubbard back there. You got Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, and, and Robbie Anderson that you're throwing the ball to. So, you you be going some, yeah, you you year one, you'd be running for your life. But there are some teams where they have good enough qualities that you're not concerned about. Like, you're not going, even if somebody, even if somebody was to go to New York, it's not that's not the world's worst situation to go yeah. to if you are a good quarterback. You yeah. have some weapons like so I, there's there's not a lot of bad situations for quarterbacks to go to right now. Like when I really look at it, especially since they're not going to right now it doesn't seem like they'll be going to Detroit. Uh and that's really kind of the only bad spot if I'm a quarterback cuz like you're not going to Chicago right now, you're not going to Jacksonville, uh you're not, not going Houston. to the Jets. Yeah, you're not going right now it looks like you're not going to Houston. So when you look at it, like these are all situations. Like even if, like, okay, we're gonna draft a guy. If I'm the Giants, I'm gonna draft a guy. Maybe one of these guys slips to the second round. You get like a Desmond Ritter. Put the pressure on Daniel Jones. You have some weapons. You got. They couldn't stay healthy, but you got Kadarius Tony. 
you know, maybe Kenny Galladay plays better. I, I can't yeah. believe he played that bad, so maybe he plays better. But you you have Darius Slayton. Like, that's not the world's worst situation to be in if I'm a young quarterback. So when I look at Fitz, there's a lot of places where guys are like, okay, this isn't the worst situation to be in. I think Matt Corral in Washington would be perfect. I think yeah, if I look at yeah. He needs to, yeah, he needs to play in one of those more, like, those more spread like systems like Rivera, like Ron Rivera's. Like I think if you put him in a get under center and play action and stuff like that, I don't really think that's something that fits him. I think I mean he can do it, but I think he's going to be more prone to make mistakes. I think he needs to be somewhere where he can. He's going to be in shotgun a lot of RPO stuff. It's what he did in college, so I think a lot of that type of stuff would be better for him. And you have an elite weapon. I think when you look yeah. at it, like going having a Terry McLaurin or somebody goes to Tennessee and has an AJ Brown, like. That's a nice start. Not we're like, okay, we're drafting our quarterback in the first round. Then we got to draft his weapon that, that we got to get him in the second round or wait until next year to get him an elite weapon when we suck, you know, for a whole season. So, like, go Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Washington, like, these are Carolina. These are all realistic landing spots for these quarterbacks. And outside of, like, yeah, you could use some protection in Carolina or Pittsburgh – those aren't those aren't bad situations for a quarterback. So I think that's what's going to be different about this quarterback class is we're not that high on them, but then a lot of them don't go to bad franchises and be expected to be franchise savers, saviors. There's already something built around there, and they just need a slight upgrade at quarterback. Washington just needs a slight upgrade over Taylor Heineke. I think Matt Corral would be that. So when I when, that's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at these quarterbacks is I'm like they might actually benefit from people not being as high on them because then they're not going to go to piss poor teams like if Matt Corral is a tier above Taylor Heineke Washington can compete for the for the division title Rob and Couch I never said that but like if he's just a tier above Taylor Heineke like that's all they were missing was a guy who's a, a, a tier above Taylor Heineke and they're competing at the very least for a playoff spot. You know, they're, they're just as good as Philly at that point. So that's what I look at, and I'm like, man, these guys really might benefit, and they could pan out to be a lot better than we think because they, they're better situations. They're not going to – they're not going one, two, and three to Jacksonville, Houston, and Detroit. They're actually going to go to pretty decent teams with solid foundations. So before we go, Walker, just tell everybody where they can follow you, find you, and any projects you got coming up. Yeah, just uh, working on one shining pot of Chris. We had to – we took a break this weekend. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Bailey eight. Check out offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. Where this will be up on, uh, I'm sure the pod will be up on Spotify. But I mean, we'll yeah. write about we'll write about the drafts more and more as it gets closer, and we get to the combine and stuff like that. Uh, so just those three major entities, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, 100. percent And you know, if if you if you're listening, I appreciate you. If you watched and tuned in live, I appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back run, rolling starting this Thursday. We'll be back on Thursdays. Like I said, I was just a little under the weather. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, and make sure you tune in next week, Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time for another Draft Capital.